Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Jalisco tradition, mayors, politics, and so much more with today's guest, Mr. Eduardo Orendine of Tequila Arete, an amazing young gentleman that comes from a long laundry list of amazing folks in the Orendine family and a long-standing tradition of tequila in Tequila Town. This is a great chat about the history of tequila. It's a great chat about a young man kind of driven into the business by his own choice because he's so family-oriented and he's around traveling a bit and caught him here recently in Austin. So we sipped through three beautiful marks of tequila arete. That Fuerte 101 is something to just be astonished by. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Eduardo Orendine of Tequila Arete. Last uh, two years now, I'm starting to be uh, more involved with sales. Yeah. So now I'm getting to travel sometimes a little bit more than I even want to. That's what my girlfriend <laughs> says. <laughs> but you're young enough, right? Yeah. It doesn't take its toll on you too much. No, it? I mean, I enjoy it. I like it. You, know, you get to meet amazing, great people, great bars, places. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun job. No, I, I can't complain. <laughs> The rock star lifestyle. <laughs> That's a lot of the brand yeah. ambassadorship or even someone that, I mean, you, and we'll talk about it, but you've distilled the tequila, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up with distillery, so I've been around you know, the fields. I mean, m- my punishment when I was a kid was going to, <laughs> was going out to the fields. Now, every time I would get home late or, you know, drunk at 16, <laughs> 17, you know, and so my father would take me the next day. 6 a.m. to the fields, uh, that was my punishment. <laughs> That's not so bad. I think a lot of people, they'd be like, man, what a lucky punishment, right? Well, <laughs> not not well, at the time, when, right? When, seems- when, you, when you're still drunk or still hangover and going up to the fields at you know, 100 <laughs> degrees outside uh-huh. and working with the core and the sharp tools is not the, the most uh, desired hangover. <laughs> is it nice then to kind of step away from the distillery for a little while? You mentioned it's been about two years that you're out on the road traveling and yeah. how do you like this this side of it the non-production side of it well i mean i, I really enjoy it you know, it's it's fun you know, it's as i said you it's just being always in new places meeting people it's, it's great yeah i mean obviously you always will you know you're not at home so you know you you're not seeing your friends or you're not doing you, you don't have a you don't have a routine you know, That's like, right, you know yeah. where like you wake up you know you go to office or you know you go to work well my work is you know going to the airport go to the plane and <laughs> yeah. go to the hotel you know, in the next city but it's uh no it's obviously it's it's part of the job no so you, you gotta go out there and you know you gotta visit the, the people and, and and spread the word connect with the public I mean yeah. this is ties back into uh, one of the mechanisms of politics <laughs> of being mayoral right and it's something that kind of drives really deeply in your family well so then talking about it so here this is a great thing right so you're working with through I've tasted many of these the oretes the, the marks before brilliant stuff so we're gonna start and we're Sipping the 101, so the still-proof tequila, which is a bold move. Most people, as we know, drink their tequila at 80 proof. 
slightly watered down, 60%, kind of. So this one, compared to some other overproof tequilas that we know, so for instance, Tapatio 110, right? So it's slightly higher. Are you, describe kind of the thought process of putting out a higher proof, more intensely flavored tequila. Yeah, so the, the I mean, the reason we, we launched Arete Fuerte, no, the 101, it's called 101 for the proof. And it's uh, the reason that that's the, the proof we distill at, no? So we distill at 50, 50.5%. Yeah. Uh, that's what this was still at El Llano, it's, uh, or distillery of Arete. And we didn't, we didn't actually sell the Arete Fuerte uh, until like uh, a year and a half ago. Really? Yeah, two years. I don't think it has more than two years now or less in the market. So, and, and we, we started doing, you know, uh, the industry trips. I don't know if you heard of the industry trip. We, sure, we do yeah. it with Sergio from Don Fulano and, and Guillermo from Fortaleza, those guys. So we all got together, you know, and, and doing the trips. We've had a lot of industry people come down to the distillery, you know, bartenders, bar managers, you know, and, it's the, and every time we, I was giving the tour in the distillery, I, I know I, w- I would be giving them the tour, and when we get when we got to the stills, I would always have a bottle there from the still strength that we had just distilled that day or the day uh, previously, and I would always you know pour them a, a shot each, you know, like hey, so guys, taste our still strength from right. Arete here, you know, have a little sip, you know, it's something you can only have here at the distillery, and and everybody was loving it. And I was like, wow, no, this is amazing. Like, you, you guys don't bottle this? I'm like, no, we don't. No, all, all our tequilas that we actually sell and, and bottle go out at eighty proof, no, right. It's, and it's like, no, this is not available in the market. And, and it was like, oh, can I can I get a bottle? I want to buy a bottle of this one. I was like, well, yeah, sure. So I would just like, you know, put it in a bottle, empty bottle, no labels, and just with a sharpie, you know, like right arete, you know, still strength, hundred signed by Bruno. <laughs> yeah, and and, that's, and and for like a year or two, that's how we were, you know, just doing it, just out of the distillery, no label, no, obviously, you know, no paying taxes, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully the Mexican government doesn't hear this. <laughs> oh, they they listen, no, but because they enjoy it, not because they're looking to crack down. But it, it's kind of like this yeah. cult classic, right? Like this thing that people feel special. Well, one, it's delicious, and two, there are many different ways to bring. So this is a great thing. So Fortaleza is coming out with the still strength, and they'll blend the puntas and the colas back in, whereas instead of taking the hearts and then watering those down. So for you as the guy who's kind of crafting this, what method? Do you like to do to, to bring this down to one on one? Yeah, so it's, it's it's the same. No, it's just the, we, we don't water it down. It's just the the, the amount of with the, the the amount of heads we're cutting off. Yeah, and this is uh, how we, we, it's coming out. No, so at the end of the day, this is how the the truly of arete you know, arete comes out when out of the still. So, so you're basically drinking arete at its purest, purest no, without being watered down or anything. No, just how it comes out. Yeah, and you know after so many people ha- coming down to the distillery, enjoying it and wanting it. I went to my father and said, hey, you know, dad, you know, we should really, you know, make it official, make it real, you know, put a label on it and, and actually sell it. I think this could actually work, you know. And so he finally listened after like two years. So I would bang, you know, <laughs> tell him and we did it. No, we did it. And I think it's going great. No, it's now, uh, it's, I think right now only uh, 15 or 16 states are c- carrying it right now at yeah. the moment. But and 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 everybody who's having it are loving it, no? So it's I think it's fantastic. It's pushing the segment forward a lot. It kind of bring, because we... The math, the simple math of it, right? 40% alcohol, 60% water, normal tequilas. Mm-hmm. So there's so much water in there that in a way you're disconnected from the plant. Whereas here, when you're bringing it closer to the distillate and bringing in all those areas of the run, do you think that the future of tequila will see more overproof? Yeah, I think definitely, no. And, and, and we're seeing it not just in tequila, no. We're seeing it, no, you're also seeing it in whiskey. I mean, how oh, many yeah. whiskeys are overproof now? 
and 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 the mescals obviously you know, now mescals everything even more mescals are over over 80 proof than there are, are actually mescals at 80 proof no yeah, yeah and i think the reason to this is uh, people are now becoming more purist you no know? people want to drink it stuff how they are how they're made you no know? that's why now there's uh, you know back back in the days 10 15 years ago mostly people were drinking you know, reposado or gold tequila so they wanted to that age you no know, in tequila but nowadays the blanco is more popular becoming more popular every day because they want to drink it just as as it is you no know? and then once you go to a distillery and you see that it comes out of you know 100 proof or above and then you're hearing like, oh, wh- and then why is it in the shelves at 80 proof? You know, like, I just want to drink it how it is, you know, how it's coming out. Yeah. So that's, I think it's within that trend of, you know, crafting or, you know, and like, or, or you know, organic or, you know, like handmade or, you know, like artisanal, you know, that, that, that kind of trend with, uh, with that, what's going on, what people just want it as, as things are, you know. Yeah, they, I, it's without the makeup, yeah, right? Exactly, without yeah. the product. I mean, of course, it's beautiful, but it's organic and it's very, very rooted in nature. And it has that kind of flavor. And that's one of the things I think that, we'll see as people become more intelligent drinkers, perhaps, that they don't want it watered down. They don't want the coloring. To your point, they want to be connected with that plant and that land. Yeah, and, and then it's all, and also they want to drink what, you know, the original uh, tequila was like, you know, like back 100 years ago, people were not watering down tequila back, back 100 years ago. It was They were just drinking it as it was coming out, like like right now, like, like this Fuerte 100 proof. That's how tequila originally was drinking at. They did. They started watering it down when they started, you know, being, you know, exporting it or you know, right. bottling it and more regulations, you know, and making it more, more, Money, in, more, right? yeah, exactly, more industrialized, you know. But but officially, you know, back in the days, people were drinking it at hundred or even more proof, you know. Yeah. And that's and that's how it is right now with mezcal. You go down to Oaxaca to the Palenques, and you're drinking, you know, over ninety or hundred proof mezcals in every Palenque you go. You're not going to find an eighty percent, you know, like eighty proof uh, mezcal. Yeah. It became. It's just it's shallow. You know, it's without the depth because the more water you add, again, you know, you can say it's integral to any spirit, but it just takes you further away from that plant. I really feel that way. So it's funny when you mentioned, you know, you saw the tours coming in and you're saying, you know, bartenders, they drive this industry very heavily. They're particularly interested in this still strength tequila. Dad, I've got this good idea. (laughs) And he finally listened to you as the relationship and as you've worked more in the distillery is he more open to ideas that you might have creatively about what might be the future of innovation in tequila yeah no that definitely i think we have a really good relationship no but i have a good relationship with my father and i think he listens no and so it's uh but a lot of times you know you have to take in in, in mind no that's uh you gotta focus no a lot of times you gotta focus on one thing and, and take your shots at it no instead of thinking of 10 different ideas and having shooting at all different ideas at once. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's it's better to just focus on one or two ideas and just try to focus, put your attention in those. Notes. So it's, uh, Are you a more operational guy or a more creative guy? <laughs> it's basically numbers guy or brainy, cerebral guy. Uh, well, I'm definitely not the numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> that answers it perfectly. Well, it's yeah. good. So, okay, you know, maestros, right? So yeah. composers. People that bring these flavors, these musical notes together, when you're kind of bringing these flavors together, and of course you want it to be the same every time for consistency's sake, but what kinds of things do you feel like you really want it to shine with? What kinds of flavors do you really like that you want it to reflect? What, what I really, what we really want to to really stand out in Arete, you know, is that the the, the agave notes. You no, know? once you visit a, a 
tequila town and you visit a tequila distillery, the moment you're in town, no, just just you, there's the smell. No, you start immediately start smelling the cook that cook baked agave, no, from from either it's uh, the, the ovens and, and and it's so sweet and all that, and that's what one and what we want to reflect on on the on the product. No, and yeah. you taste it and and that no green notes to without that minerality from from the town or from the valley right next to the volcano. I think that minerality is what we always want to want to always maintain, you know, and it's, uh, what gives the the essence to 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 each each brand. Yeah, like a, the personality in a way, right? Yeah, no, definitely no. It's and it's all about the the soil. No, it's what uh, people refer to as it, like in, in wine with the terroir. No, like mm-hmm. where so you, see, you, you can move your production, but obviously the, the, the your taste and your profile is going to change. You no, know, even if you make it exactly the same way. Is it is it considered a highland or a lowland? Well, we're in Tequila Town, so that's what people would refer to to the lowland. Yeah, but it's I mean, it's technically, it's technically, technically not a lowland. I mean, we're one thousand five hundred meters above sea level. Oh, geez, okay. So I mean, we're pretty high up, but it's just that the highlands, which is Arandas and Atotonilco, are higher than Tequila Town. So when they refer to Arandas and Atotonilco, the highlands, when the obvious would be to oh, then the tequila is lower, so it's lower lands. Yeah, but they're really pretty. They're both pretty. Both uh, high, just yeah. one's lower. Yeah, than exactly. the other one. You're taller than me on the short one. <laughs> I'm the lowland. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's that definitely how it is. Yeah. Though. Well, so this steals again, man. I really like this. This is really. I can wrap my mind around it too. It makes you think, and it's just quite delicious. So, kind of going back, your family is very entrenched in one the politics. Of which city property? Jalisco, whole, if you were to describe it, but what is it? A particular city? So we're in Tequila. Tequila, 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 tequila exactly. Yeah, that's the name of the city, Tequila Town, yeah. And so your family's got some cachet. Your family has some brand recognition there going back five generations? Yeah, so right? I'm now the, the fifth generation, yeah, now. So right, right now, it's uh, our distillery started back in 1900. Yeah. So we're the third oldest tequila distillery in town, right after Cuervo and Sousa. We're the, the third oldest in, in the town. And uh, and the fourth oldest, if you put us in together, no, because uh, Herradura is uh, older than us, but Herradura is in Amatitan, so it's a, a different town. Yeah. So uh, if you walk into the, the the lobby of the CRT, no, the Tequila Regulatory Council, they have their four statues of what they call the four founding families, the pillars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 one of the, the there's four families, no, what they call the four four Tequila founding families, and it's, uh, the the, the 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 Cuervo family, the Salsa family, the Herradura, and Orinda, no, my family. And out of those four families, we're, we're the only ones left uh, completely family-owned, independent. You know? No kidding. <laughs> so growing up and having such a historical mark in the town itself, is it you know, is it easy being you in this town? You know, when we grow up, right? So we go through these awkward social stages. High school isn't particularly fun, but for you, having a family that's really, really entrenched in the community, everybody knows your name, right? Yeah, but I mean, it was it was it was great growing up. I mean, everybody knows everyone. Everybody knows you go you go up to the, to, you know, to a, at the store, you know, in the corner, and you know they're friends with your 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 father and all yeah. your mother and all. And so I mean, everybody's like like family, you know. So it's it was pretty nice, you no. Know? And, and and you growing up there with um, the people really friendly and it's a great town. You, know? you have really good memories of growing up there, and you know, obviously you know getting in trouble with them. So. <laughs> Cutting the agave early in the morning is punishment. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's it's definitely it was a you know, nice town and and it's great to know every and like to, since it's a really really small town everybody knows everyone so it's a it's a great way to uh, to grow up. You no, know, I would say relatively safe town as well. Yeah, I mean, re- yeah, relatively safe. You no, know? I mean, obviously you got you know the the cartels and the drug problems you have in Mexico, yeah. but in a way, I mean, the good thing is I mean, obviously 
the good thing within the bad thing. You know, <laughs> the cartel is there, and the drug deal, the dealers are there. I, we I, I, we cannot de deny it, but in a way, it, it is safe. I can say it is safe for us, and we've never had a problem there. You know, me and my family or friends, or you know, every, every visitor that comes down, you know. There's never been a problem worse than you know a pickpocket, you know. That, right, but that can happen. Which is the know, same in yeah, Austin, and, or yeah. yeah. Because the good thing, I mean, uh, as I said, with, uh, with the, the good thing within the bad thing of the drug dealers is that they don't really mess with you know with with the population, you know, with mm -hmm. the civilians. So, so as long as you're not selling drugs, or you're not you know in that business, you don't have anything to worry about. No, they're not going to go up and mess around. No, they, if you, you let them do their thing, they'll let you do your thing. And I mean, I I've never seen them. You never know who they are. You know, you just hear about them, but yeah. you know, you know, you know they're there, but they don't. It's not really a problem, you know. That's good. I mean, we in the in the states, we don't necessarily have a really clear idea of what the conditions are like. Like Michoacan, talked to some mescaleros from there, and that seems that at one point much more tense. But at least oh, yeah, tequila always seemed relatively. We'll yeah, no, see. Michoacan was uh, it's, it's it's far more dangerous uh, place than Jalisco, no? And yeah. and you know, five years, six years ago. A lot of bad things were happening, you know, in Michoacan, and, and and the drug cartels were really going into the population. You know, they were starting to to ask for rents. You know, like they would go into a business and say, hey, "You have to pay me this amount of money each month, or we're gonna come in and you know and just shoot or you know yeah. burn the place down or something." So they got really messed up in in a lot of places in Mexico, unfortunately. But for, for or fortunately, in Jalisco, it was always pretty maintained, and, and we never we've never had a problem. You no, know? we've never had. People show up at the distillery and say, you guys, you guys got to pay us or something. Yeah. We've been pretty fortunate and have not had that problem, at least not in Tequila Town. Because I know on the, all this, I cannot say the same for the, for the entire state. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, before we were recording, Engine, I talked to Carlos Camarena and, and Ronda, Rondas, right? Yeah. So there, there was some shit that went down with him. Yeah, I think in the Highlands, they did have some. That's why I said, no, I, I can't say the thing for the entire state. Because yeah. I think in the Highlands, they did have some issues for a while. I mean, I think right now things are back to normal and, and cool down, but I think for a few years back they did have some issues, unfortunately. So, knowing that you come five generations deep in this pillar of tequila narrative in Mexico, in high school and thinking about college, were you ever able, or rather, did your father say, hey, I know that we've got this thing, this successful tequila distillery? We have the history, but Eduardo Jr., I think, right? I want you to do what you think you need to do for you. Were you given that chance to follow your own path, or did you always know you'd end up in the family business? No, I mean, I, I, my dad and my, my, my family and my grandfather, we, they were always pretty relaxed and pretty open about, you know, you cannot always do whatever you want. No, so it was not like I had to be in the business. I had to be part of it. Yeah. It's just that, you no, know, growing up as, as a culture, my dad always, you know, as when he always took me to work on the weekends or the summers during school. But because he said, you know, you're not going to stay at home and, and just, you know, do, do nothing and watch TV. You know, you're going to come and work. If you don't want to work here, then you can go work somewhere else. But sure. then, but you have to get a job. But you're going to work. Yeah, but you're going to work. So, so he good was, dads do that, <laughs> man. They do. So, so it was, it was, it was not like you have to work in the family business. It's like you have to work. Yeah, they're here or somewhere else. And I started working with him, and I, I really enjoyed it. No? I, mean, I remember having you know my memories starting you know back in the distillery, you know swapping floors, you know cleaning bottles, you know carrying cases, you know to the trucks, and so I mean, I, and 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 it was fun. No? So I enjoyed it when I was a little kid, and. And then, you know, as I told you, you know, punishments were going out to the fields. You know, and, <laughs> Which is what, the, what Stefano makes industry do now, yeah. right? Like, that's part of the program. Yeah, like, we, you we, guys come down. It's early in the morning. Maybe we were partying last night. But just go out to the agave field. 
I love it that in a way people have embraced the, the, the industry to go and expose themselves to lifting heavy things, to be out in the sun. It's, yeah. a, it's almost ironic. No, yeah, definitely not. We, we can ask Drew here. No, he says he, he's been down for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can give us his thoughts about it. But yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. You know, people come down and experience the whole thing, you know, and actually live, live the town and, and the distilleries of how they are on a normal daily basis. You know? So a lot of times when you go down for a tour, you know, it's things might be different, no, or they might be, you know, it's you're you you're not seeing the real thing as it every day, you know. Right, right. You're you know, in a big group all having fun, drinking. But when actually when you're actually there, you know, on opening time at seven in the morning and, and actually being there with the workers, you know, at lunch breaks and all that stuff, it gives you a totally different perspective. Yeah. There's work to be done always. <laughs> yeah. Distilleries are tough. Yeah. They really are. Well, as we talk about the history of Arete and how it be- came to be, if you will. Let's sip where it all comes from. Let's sip the Blanco, which is an 80 proof, which you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, so now we, we, know we, we started with the Fuerte, which was a still strength, but now we're going to go to the Suave. So drinking the, the Suave right after the, the Fuerte, you're going to make it stand out even more suave and even more smooth than it actually <laughs> it's just like something really bright yeah. to something more <laughs> mellow and this is this this is the product though you you could say anybody can drink it they will understand our perspective on what we'd like it to taste like and it's accessible anybody can get it right yeah yeah for sure no definitely here i mean here in texas no it's uh, a big trees or, or, or distributor here in texas and and uh, I think now you can get it through all the, most of the, the, the wholesalers, I think Specs, yeah. Goody Goody, Twins. So, I mean, a lot of them are, we're not, might, might not have it on the shelves, but no, but bars and restaurants can, can ask for it and, and they will we'll get it for them, you know. What is a, roughly the retail price for, so starting at the, the Forte, the 101 proof, what's that one roughly? I'm curious. If you don't know, we can figure it out or I'll, uh, I'll do some research. Yeah. you have any idea, Drew? Uh, it's probably... Oh, amazing! Okay, so, so very so, reasonably priced. Yeah, the the, the forte, maybe twenty five, twenty six, somewhere like that. The blanco suave goes up to the, in the forties, no? like forty something. Yeah, low, low forties. Yeah, low forty. Like, okay. yeah, is that 40s. a liter bottle or is that a seven fifty? Okay, ones are seven fifty. Cool. It stands a little yeah. bit taller. The Arete brand, it, although your family has been making tequila for quite some time. This brand is relatively new, 1987, is that correct? Yeah, 19, uh, yeah 1986, 1986 yeah. was when it, when it came out, no, Arete, no? So before before that, my, my family, when, when we started making tequila, was with uh, Orendine Tequila, no? That's our last name, that's mm. the family name. And that's the, the one my family started with uh, at the distillery that we actually now make, Arete. But uh, uh, at the time, you know, uh, the, that distillery was too small for Orendine, so my, gran- my grandfather had to build a bigger distillery, mm. just two blocks down the road. So they moved the production of Orendine to the big distillery. And then uh, uh, in the 80s, uh, my father and his brother, my uncle Jaime, they decided to you know, go back and start running again the, the small distillery, the Orendine original distillery, and start making their small batch 100% agave tequila. Were you guys using it for anything else, or just it was kind of just closed down? Yeah, it, it, well, it was closed down, abandoned for, 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 for some years, and then started, you know, they had to renovate it and, and start getting back to it you know, yeah. at the beginning, and they started producing foreign nine for a little bit while they were setting up. And then, then in the 86, 97, Arete came out to market. Amazing. And they decided to name the brand Arete for, for the horse. The so only uh, 
gold medal winning horse from Mexico? Yeah, so it was, like it was, right? it was the, the first gold medal. The first, first gold medal. The first okay. gold medal that Mexico ever won in the Olympics. It was London 1948. The name of the horse was named Arete. And since my father and his brother, my uncle, they were you know, really passionate about horses and they used to compete when they were younger, they, they, they wanted to name their tequila after the Mexican champion horse. Did you ever compete? Yeah. Were you ever into horsing? Uh, horse, not racing, but... Uh, what do they call that? What is it when you... A question. Equestrian. Like equestrian, a, yeah, equestrian yeah, yeah, when they're jumping. I did for a little while when I was younger, but uh, but not not really like professionally or anything. Yeah. And this is now we're here almost, probably right around 30 years later. Yeah. Is there any celebrating to do any kinds of parties that you guys are going to throw? To, <laughs> I mean, it's a mon- monumental date. 30 years is a great accomplishment. Yeah, no, definitely no, and we, I mean, we we always do, you know, celebration every year. You know, we we, we gather up and do events. You know, we do it we do it when it's like the the industry trips that we organize. You now down in uh, Tequila with together with Fortaleza and, and Don Fulano, we we make that great party. You know, at, at Fortaleza in the caves, and so it's every every year we just gather up and per- celebrate every year. You no, know? so but we're not doing anything like in particular special for for the thirty. It's always a celebration. It seems yeah. like yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, with Tequila, it seems like every 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 week, every day, it's a celebration. Always a reason yeah. to celebrate. Yeah, definitely. In the amount of time, so how long have you been involved principally as either a distiller, and then, you know, the past two years you've been out in the market, more of a sales capacity. But how long total in your adulthood have you played a big role in the distillery? Well, I started when I was. Uh, I think I've been now with like at least. Uh, what 14 15 years now wow yeah so Cause you're, you're still in your 20s i'm yeah 27 god man that's crazy it's <laughs> yep. a crazy thought to think that you're probably i don't know what percentage but at least 25 percent of your blood is literally tequila <laughs> <laughs> it runs through your blood and it yeah. runs through your blood but in these past 15 years roughly have you seen the segment of tequila the conversations about tequila have you seen those change quite a bit yeah no for sure definitely i mean i remember at the beginning when i was younger the tequila and it was thought to be like a like you know like a cheap thing you would drink you know like like people who drink it just was just to get you know really drunk and they would they it was not nice nicely seen you know it was like yeah. not, not 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 something you would sip definitely it's like people oh you like you don't want to sip tequila no you like you gotta shoot it down and then yeah so i you know that you see that you start seeing that evolve in, 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 at the, the late nine, 90s, you know, and starting at the 2000, also 17 years ago, is when, when, when people really started, you know, with, and, and, and we got to give it to a lot of the, it was, a, Patron really helped, helped, helped that, you no know? a lot of people that might right now will talk really, like, oh no, Patron, no, don't drink that, and stuff like that, but it's, uh, the reality is that Patron was one of the, the, the door openers of the 100% agave category, you know, yeah. before Patron uh, came out to, to the market and, when it, and became what it is, Everybody was drinking mixtos, no? In the U.S., I mean, nobody was drinking 100% agave tequila before Patron. So it was really them who really uh, kind of opened that, that door in for all the the category of 100% agave. I mean, obviously, it has changed a lot, and it's not the same thing that it was back in the 90s, no? Yeah. But uh, but when they did, yeah, they really helped out the category and and and, and swift make make that switch in from the mixtos, you know, shoot it and lime and salt to the sip it, you know, enjoy Savor. it, and yeah, exactly. Do you see, heard many interesting stories and there are two ways it seems like tequila businesses or tequila distilleries run in this industry. They do the 100% tequila where you want to savor it, you want to sip it and really experience the tequila and the, the plants, right? 
And then there's also the other element of it where it's pump out the product as quick as possible. You guys siding, of course, with sipping and savoring, do you think that rather long-term, having this kind of paradigm about the tequila, do you want to keep making more and keep expanding to a point where perhaps you have to move into a new distillery? I mean, uh, obviously, it's... uh Something you you always want to maintain is your quality. No, as long as you we can maintain our quality and or, or no or or, or essence no? or or profile and, and that or taste. Yeah. No, it's uh, we can always expand. But as as long as we don't we don't change no or or, or culture no in our way of making it and and the, the, the oh, definitely the, the the taste no the profile and the quality no we we would never never sacrifice the quality f- to go for quantity no so it's. Do you does the family always intend? keep it a piece of the family because as you mentioned many of the other pillars of this narrative and tequila history have sold off years ago oh yeah no that, no for sure we it's this is in the family and we will definitely not never never sell never sell it. right it's, it's not and it's uh it, we, we we've been approached you no know, we've been approached by so many different companies i mean even the big guys you no know, a lot of the big guys have come have knock, knocking on the doors and I mean, we always sit down with them and listen to them just to see what they have to say. But then at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, no, thank you. No, we're not yeah. for sale. No? And if actually it's, ha- it's happened before, no, it's, I mean, we worked with Brown Foreman for many, many years. I mean, I, I, I grew up, I lived two years in Louisville, Kentucky. No kidding. Yeah. What were you doing in Louisville? <laughs> well, Brown Foreman is its headquarters there. Yeah. So were you doing production work or? No, no. So we were, it's uh, Brown Foreman was importing and distributing uh, or the, the, the family tequila. So at the time, my father was uh, like kind of the like the representative for the for the company there with the, with Brown Foreman. Oh wow! So we went up we went up to there. If it was 1999 and 2000, we lived there for two years, and you know they they were importing and distributing all the tequila, and it got to a point where they wanted to buy the company. They 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 you know they went to my grandfather and said, "Hey, we want to buy the brand. We want to buy the distillery." You know, and, and my grandfather said, "No, no, we don't. We're not for sale." And you know they were really insistent and said, "Well, if you guys are not willing to sell, then we gotta, you know, part ways because we can't keep working together." So, because you wouldn't sell. Yeah, that's so strange. Well, they well, they wanted to own the, their tequila company. I see. So then we 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 when my grandfather said, "No, we know we're not selling. When this is this is that the company that was you know given to me by my grand my my father and, and my father had it from his grandfather. So like, why should I sell something that was given to me? You know, it's it's something not something I created. You no, know? I, I was it was given to me, so I, I, I cannot sell it. You know? It's yeah. like it's like, would you ever sell a gift you got from your father? Like you know, absolutely, like, it's not yeah. yours to give, although it is yours to give. But it's such a tradition; it spans so many decades now. Yeah. And I, you know, to paraphrase paraphrase Carlos Cameron, who's obviously coming up with this conversation again. Did you see a for sale sign on my house? <laughs> I'm not for sale. And that's funny because it's the yeah. same concept, right? You didn't want to sell. People were asking him for years and still do. But it's just one of those things that the family is very important. Yeah, and I mean, and we worked with Grand Foreman for many, many years until that point where they wanted to really buy the company and said, well, if you guys are not willing to sell, then we're going to part ways. And they bought, uh, then, then went, they went and bought Herradura. Oh, so, now Brown, so now Brown Foreman owns Herradura and El Jimador. I didn't know that. And, but before, before they had Herradura and El Jimador, they were working with us for many years until the point where... Yes, we said no. We're not, we're not for sale, man. But that's that speaks very highly of you and your family to say no. We have our standards, we have yeah. our beliefs, and we will stick to those. Yeah, no, and, and even today, no. My even my, my grandfather uh, is he still alive. My grandfather is eighty two years now, and, and my father and he always tell me, "Lo, if you ever sell, no, we're gonna come out, come out from the <laughs> We're gonna hunt your ass." <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like if you're gonna sell it, then we're not gonna give it to you because this is not you can't sell something. You it's no, it's not yours. No, it was given to you, and you have to give it on to your children and and so on. No, it's it's not something you're gonna be able to just go sell and then go sit in the beach and relax. No. <laughs> is it? Give you a little bit of pressure then yeah. to have a no, I don't really. I mean, I, I, I've, it's kind of in me now, so I, I, I have the same thoughts that, that they have. So I mean, I would never sell, even if they weren't here today, and I would never, definitely, never sell. Yeah. One of the things, and before we move on to the final chapter, which would be innovation, the current state of agave, and using Woodford barrels to tie that all back, right, with the extra nejo, but. When you think about the process here, I've read a bit about the process. Obviously, people know how tequila is made, but it, you guys have made a choice, and I do not critique it because it, I think for me, autoclaves give you the purest. As long as you're not adding, you know, certain kinds of enzymes and things, it gives you the purest representation of the plant. But for you, was there any decision to say well, we want to use steam cooking ultimately and pressure cooking versus pit cooking? Well, I mean, if you go to uh, the when you mentioned steam, I mean, even brick ovens are are, are, are cooked with steam. You know? yeah. So it's so so the only difference between a, a brick oven or an autoclave oven is really the surrounding of the oven. You know? So it's stainless steel versus uh, bricks, but it's they're both filled with steam the, to cook it. And the, the only reason we have the autoclave is because of the space. So, I mean, I don't know if you've uh, been to a distillery uh, to Llano, but it's we, it's a very very small space, very small distillery. Right next door, we have Sousa Distillery. In the back, we have Cuervo Distillery. Mm. And on the other side, we have another tequila distillery. So basically, we're surrounded by tequila distilleries with no space to grow. Yeah, And definitely, they would never sell us any piece of their land to, <laughs> to expand our distillery. Sure. So we're into a point where either we either have to move our distillery or we just have to adapt to the space, that the small space that we have. You know? and, and, and using autoclaves... It's really a, a, a tool. No, I, I always tell people that it's really like a tool like, like you would have in your kitchen or sure. your, in your bar. And it's going to be about how you use that tool. No? So you cannot generalize a, a, an oven or a mill or, or a pot seal, you know, based on a generalization just by it, you know, just by what it is. It's really a tool and it's really going to be about how you use it because you can great, make great, really great things with it or really bad things with it. No? So it's really about how it's you about use it. It's about the person really yeah. using it, right? you know how to use it you have the right experience and the right passion for it you can make great stuff yeah and, and it's like uh, like in a kitchen or oh, you can go to their the best restaurant in the world no the, with the high, most michelin stars in the world and have and you, if you go in there and you don't know how to make it you know a, a dinner plate you no know, you, you it's worthless all that machine all that tools all that ovens they have yeah. that. but if you put even the best chef in this tiny house kitchen this is going to make a great meal and a great dinner just absolutely the tools they have a musician, for instance, will always find a way to make music with what's around them because it's in their heart, right? Yeah. Not to be sappy, but that's truly what it is. Yeah. You're not doing this for the money. You're doing this to sustain a legacy in a way and make a beautiful thing. So you're going to make do. You're going to make do of that space. Well, so now we get to talk kind of about the future innovation with tequila. We see Extra Anejo becoming a larger, larger category. Let's sip that next. I'm really excited. This was not at the roadshow tasting, I don't think. So the fact that it circles back, and these are Woodford Reserve barrels, it's an interesting thing to know that they would still give you the barrels. Is there any bad blood there? <laughs> right? Because they're like, no, you didn't. No, you can't play with my toy. No, well, we actually have all, uh, most of our barrels are all from Brown Foreman. No? So we got Jack Daniels barrels. We got you know, the Woodford barrels. So, yeah. so it's just that, that, I mean, even though, 
uh, we we parted ways and we separated there you can say the relationship is kind of still like it was kind of separated well you know like, yeah I mean, it, you're it, still seeing each other yeah so we, i mean it's not like we we didn't talk to each other like and everything was wrong i mean they did sue us for a while and then we were in court for <laughs> for four years for because of a of a brand called don eduardo yeah and that they ultimately kept at the end of the day but uh but i mean at the end of the day i mean it's you know it's, we're, we're still talking and we've got the barrels and there's some texts going back and forth it's <laughs> yeah. still there's still some communication yeah. this is a very very optimistic thing yeah and makes it, and they, they have a company called uh, bluegrass so so you anyone can, can can get the barrels from them so it's uh so it's not like it was like personally not but oh give me your barrels so it's anyone can go in and get brand foam and barrels i mean they have so much so much because you know they for brown bourbon they can only use it once so they have so many barrels going out every year so what's the proof on this guy that's eddie proof as well salute we do have a seal strength but uh, only at the distillery what <laughs> like well, well that would be in a cask strength <laughs> so you have a cask strength and these are wood so woodford so great i love the the oak treatment with woodford man yeah i think it's incredibly rich and sweet and kind of supple mm-hmm. having having just tasted through a bunch of it so what did you have a choice though of what barrels you could use i'm sure you had your pick of the litter right well i mean the the, the barrels we've, we've had them uh, that's more of, of what my uh my uncle you know, and jaime and my father will do and then they're the ones who ultimately make those decisions and they they've been working with brown former barrels for for many many years and and, and they kind of seem to like, like that's their, their style and i think that's the, the they want to keep it they don't they, they're i think they're afraid to to just even switch it you know, and change the additive profile so it's just like oh just just keep what we've been keep using it the way it was yeah how do you feel about heavily aged tequilas knowing that it takes us very far away from the still strength for instance which is completely connected to the ground i mean i definitely enjoy añejos and extrañejos but my my go-to is definitely blanco so i mean if if that's what I would drink, you know, if as by myself at home, you know, after a long day or in, or in a party, you know, if I go to a bar, you know, with friends, you know, just relax, I always go for Blancos, I'm a purist, but I, I, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy Reposados, Añejos, or even Extrañejos, no? Yeah. I mean, in a way, I mean, my father, his favorite is this one we're drinking right now, the Gran Clase. This is, is he? This is the one you'll find him drinking when you go home, and it's, uh, this is the one he drinks. But uh, that doesn't mean so. Uh, that's the, that, that's the beauty of of the, of the spirit. No, that anyone can can have their own choice. No, I might be a blanco, but he's in grand class, and you know, an extrañejo, and you might be a reposado, and yeah. and it's totally fine. No, that's something a, for everybody. Exactly, it's nice. I I like it. It's funny because I don't know why this is happening on the palate, right? But it's actually bringing up more crispness of the agave, almost like a lactic quality. Which is interesting from the, the barrel there because you would think it would do something darker, something more chocolatey, for instance, right? Yeah. No, and, and, and that's part of what we, we try to do. You know? we, we always want that agave to send out. You know? Even though it's been aged in the barrel for four years you know, and you get that just vanilla caramel notes to it, you obviously want that agave to, to stand out and still be there. You, know? you don't want yeah. it to turn into a, a whiskey you know, or a bourbon. You, know? it's, you want it to still be a tequila. When you think about other kinds of casks, perhaps sherry casks, Madeira casks, rum mm. casks. You do you have any interest in blending and working with more extended selection of those? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we we actually have right now with the distillery, we have some French oak. You no, know? I mean, right now all the distilleries, I mean, all the tequila that Arete uses, all the barrels are American oak bourbon used barrels. Yeah, but we do have some a couple French new barrels that we got. 
just to play around. Just we're just doing some tests. Nothing has been released yet, and uh, we're just playing around, testing, and see what things come out. So we're definitely open to doing a, you know, a, a different different. Uh, uh, how would you say it? Like different uh, yeah, expressions, right? different expressions, yeah. yeah, different expressions. You know, playing around with barrels is always fun, and and seeing how each barrel or each wood plays differently is definitely we we really enjoy it. But we right now at the moment we haven't released anything. It's always just something. You got have. a lot to do already, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's something we do, we just have uh, the distillery for people who visit. That they can try something that's not available in the market. You know, something they can just try there and that we're playing around with and. You know, maybe one day if we really enjoy it and we see people really want it, you know, one day we might, we might release it, you know, like we did with the Fuerte. Just with the, yeah, yeah with the Fuerte. But at the moment, it's just something we have at the distillery. Well, I'm excited because I think it, so many possibilities. And you're young. I mean, you're so young. I'm not that old, but you're younger than me. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> I'm envious of all the creative leeway you'll have, you know, in the next 20, 30 years. It's going to be exciting to see what you guys do. As the popularity of tequila grows as it does every year mezcal helps that soto helps that category because it's like stuff that's different states geographically similar in a lot of ways yeah do you see a big risk to the quality of agave as the demand of course inevitably increases yeah no definitely i mean right now we're, we are facing a huge huge agave shortage problem with tequila in Netherlands, I mean, I, right now I can only talk for tequila, but I know mezcal is oh, going same. through, through yeah. the same, and you know, and Sotol and, and Raisillas are all having problems you know, with with agaves, agave shortage problems. But so talking more into the tequila one, and there's this thing with the you no know, agave. You know, it takes eight years before you can actually you know it's at, at its at its ripest point, and when you when, when you want to harvest it. So with the crop being taken so long, or before you can harvest it. There's a lot of time where agave, there's more agave than the industry needs for. So the prices go really, really low. You know? They go to cents where the farmers are not really making any money. So they, why wouldn't they want to keep planting agave? Mm. So they switch their crop, crops to you know, corn or something else. Really? Okay. So, but then, and then uh, you know, it, it, a few years later, and again, there's no agave. There's an agave shortage. So agave prices go through the roof. And, the, and then the prices uh, are so high and so expensive that all the farmers, everybody wants to play, want to plant agave. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of this circle that kind of keeps looping around between so much agave that gets so cheap and then really low. Not everyone wants, uh, and like nobody wants to plant it and then so expensive that everybody wants to plant it. It's so strange because it's like push and pull. It's just, it really is. So people don't want to plant it. So then they don't subs. Because in Mexico, do they subsidize any of the production of agave? No, not the government, no. Yeah, because here, obviously, you grow corn, yeah. you grow it at a loss, we'll still pay you money to grow it. Yeah. So in a way, we have it all the time, and then we put it into food, and then we put it into fuel. Do you think, for you, though, that it's a realistic threat that you won't be able to make great tequila in, let's say, 10 years? No, so the, the thing is, I mean, right now, I mean, the good thing is that we own our own agaves, so we have our own oh, fields. Okay. Yes, so so it's you know, so that's a good thing for, for, for our side. You know, we're, we're kind of protected in a way. I mean, but obviously, if the demand keeps growing, then we obviously we need to either buy more land or start planting more because we we won't have enough. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, we just have to plan. It's all planning about communicating with the farmers, you no, know, with the with the with the industry, with all the producers, and plan accordingly. Where you get to a price where it's fair for everybody, you no, know? fair for the farmers to plant it, and fair for the tequila producers to actually you know make it into tequila. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, it's not fair for not for the fair for the farmers when it gets to no cents for the kilos. Or not fair for the, the tequila producers when it gets like right now seventeen pesos the kilo, so that's crazy. Yeah. 
Do the big guys, without naming names, do the big guys help this situation or do they hurt it? Well, right now the big guys are kind of like in a, are kind of like in a quiet mode, right? They're not really saying anything. They're, they're just because they, they they've built up a lot of inventory. Yeah. So they, they they're like, oh no, this is just gonna pass. This is a phase. You no, know, we've seen this before, and it, and it has happened before. You no, know? this is not the first time it's happened. So they're just kind of like waiting just for, for it to be over. I see. So they got some money in the bank, plenty of money. Ultimately, and they can just watch this thing ride out. Yeah, and they have a lot of uh, inventory, uh, tequila inventory. So they have a lot of tanks filled just millions and millions of liters just sitting there. So they're like they're not really worried about it because they, they know this is like a, a, a term passing by. Yeah. Well, so you're in Austin. I know you guys have probably some great things to do this evening as Drew escorts you around Austin. Great agave bars. There's a great scene here for cocktails and things. But tonight you there was there's an educational portion, but you guys hung out at Fonda San Miguel. We're kinda of hanging out and yeah. Sipping, how, how's your stay in Austin been? So Good. Far? I mean, I just got today this morning. I, 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 I met. Morning, you ragged. <laughs> I landed today and we went straight for lunch. We had some lunch with a couple of friends and bartenders and friends from the industry. And then we headed straight for uh, for the Fonda San Miguel seminar. We had a seminar there, happy hour. And, and now we're here with you. Now, thank you for the invite for of having course, us. Of course, man. I mean, I feel really privileged that we could squeeze this into your schedule. How was was it? Was it a nice exchange at Fonda San Miguel? Good questions. People being very inquisitive. Yeah, no, it was. No, I think it was really great. And when we had it, we had the presentation projected, and you no know, people ask questions. And yeah. so I think it went really quite well. And, and then tomorrow we're headed for San Antonio, and then Wednesday Houston, and then Thursday back to Mexico. Man, your girlfriend's gonna be really mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, so I've got one yeah. final question for you. Amazing products, man. I mean, it's been brilliant to sit here with you representation of your family five generations distiller uh, the, the the face of aretha now in a sense right <laughs> which is good good for you at 27 again another reason though your girlfriend might be like you got to come back eduardo you have been on the road too <laughs> but my question for you is let's just take this still strength because i really really gravitate towards this and you can sip some of this still strength tequila anywhere in the world anywhere you choose and you can sit there and have a conversation with anybody living or deceased, who might you like to take that opportunity out to sip some tequila and have a conversation with? Wow, that's a that's a that's a good question. It's a, it's tough, though. No? It's a, so I'm just I'm just thinking of so many people I would like you know like just people from that you know family members who you know, my great great grandfather who started the company and just just to start what was he thinking you no know? because what was he, what was he thinking back in 1900 to start making tequila yeah you know but what I would start you know just thinking about you know so many people right now or you know or even right now people who are still alive today you know like Elon Musk you know like what say what he thinks about tequila and and his plans about Mars and see what what is what's the spirit culture going to be up there you know and, <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> that's a brilliant one man yeah. I think it would be so. so many answers and it changes depending on how we feel, right? Sad, up, down. It's hot outside, you yeah. know, so. No, no, for sure, no. Or even uh, Jeff Bezos, not to see if we can get to kill oh, yeah. in the Amazon. <laughs> that's a great fucking idea. I'll, we'll work on it, but that's going to take a state-to-state thing. But, well, worth the time. Man, Eduardo, Andrew, you know, thank you for sitting in here with me. Thank you for sharing these wonderful expressions of your effort and of your family transports me to tequila town and it also takes me i don't know i feel like i can feel a little more connected to the family now in some way this is a representation of your love no th- thank you no i appreciate it thank you for the invite no and for the time of having us here and 
I really appreciate it, no, and, and hopefully you come down and visit us soon, no, and, and I want to you know it's open, no, our distillery is open doors for everyone, no, anyone can come down and visit us whenever they want, we're yeah. in the town, and uh, we will be happy to have you guys there and give you a tour and show you how we do our, our thing, you know, it's it's a great thing, it's man. It's an open book, <laughs> there's no secrets. I'm sure we'll see you soon, and I'll make Drew take me down there, if not anything else. No, no, thank you. I Thanks, guys. It. Talk soon. All right, bye-bye. Adios. So there we have, what do you guys think of Eduardo Orendine of Tequila Arete? Seems like a great guy, has some amazing pedigree, and it's great to see him around traveling, sharing these brilliant sips of tequila. Again, that 101 Fuerte Tequila Arete. I mean, it's insanely delicious, and it's insane value. So if you can get your hands on a bottle, you should. I hear price is going to jump perhaps here in the next few weeks, so it's something worth pursuing. It was a very entertaining chat. It was a very educational one as well as the roots of tequila and the emergence of tequila as a market, as a viable product. These families involved, I mean, I learned so much from Eduardo. So thank you so much for stopping by, Eduardo, and sharing fine sips of the tequila that you distilled yourself. That is a massive pleasure, luxury, and privilege for me. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you're thinking, man, Fright Night 2 might actually be better than Fright Night 1 or... If you're thinking, I'm not sure what I'm going to dress up as for Halloween this year, please keep dancing.